Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is Reservations, and I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm Malibu Jeremy. I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Like Malibu Ken? Yeah. Are you replacing Ryan Gosling and Barbie now? I mean, I'm not allowed to say. But, but you know, wink, yes. I, I face litigation if I speak further on the matter, but... Uh... <laughs> Are you... I mean, I pretty much... I'm sure I know the answer to this question. You're not going to go see the Barbie movie, are you? Of course I am. You, you are? Yeah. Genuinely? Yeah. I don't know. Of the course the I trailer am. has to sell me. Because okay. all, the, all the images I've seen, I'm like, no. I'm going to see Ab- it. Absolutely. For not. sure. Yeah. I th- I'm going to see it. I think it's going to be fun. And it comes out the same day as Oppenheimer. So. Oh my God, does it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh, Jesus. So, uh, who's doing Barbie? Is it, is it Warner Brothers? Greta Gerwig. Oh, I don't know. Well, that's some strategic planning on their end. Like, yeah. ooh, like, let's slide it in when yeah. Christopher Nolan has like one of his best movies come out. Yeah. Theoretically. Opp- Oppenheimer comes out next year, right? Yeah. Huh. In like 11 months. Yeah, that's right. Because, you know. The countdown. Yeah. The teaser counts down. Yeah. Uh, well, welcome back, everyone. Um, Jeremy, how did you feel about last week's episode? Because I was actually about five minutes off. It was about 50 minutes. After yeah, it was fine. I mean, I I think it would have been a little bit more um, a little bit more interesting, a little bit more uh, analytical if we actually believed it was a political satire. I think if <laughs> if we actually believed that, we would have gone into more detail about it. But since I don't believe it, what's the point of yeah going into it? Because I don't. And so I'm not going to pretend to... Yeah, we're not going to do a whole episode of where we just reach for things. No. No, I think it went fine. I think it's fine. Yeah. I, is it the episode the Marx Brothers deserve? No. <laughs> but it's fine. Yeah. It's the best we could have done at the time. I mean, yeah. I mean, truthfully, yeah. I mean, we we pretty much summarized the whole movie, just shaved off of 18 minutes. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, uh, in case you didn't listen to last week, um, this week we are talking about adaptation. Um, this very meta comedy from Charlie Kaufman, who, if everyone knows, uh, we love Charlie Kaufman. We've done three of his movies already. Um, sorry. Um, and this was just really interesting to see him not in the director's chair. You know. Yeah, his first directorial outing was uh, wasn't Schenectady. Yeah, I was about to say, wasn't Schenectady? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I still consider this a Kaufman movie. Of course. I mean, it is. I mean... Especially with the subject matter that it's about him. Well, yeah. So. Um, I think that, you know, anything he writes, it's his. Like, this oh, yeah. isn't a Spike Jones movie. You know what I mean? Now... Since I did not do your recommended thing of watching being John Malkovich. Okay. Uh, so was this just kind of like a coffin was like, hey, I've got this other script. I want to do it. And once they finished 
being John Malkovich, or they just kind of went, or did they kind of start it? In it's the a few years. They're a few years apart. Okay. Yeah. But it was that kind of it. He though. was struggling with writing it during the filming oh, of, okay. uh, of of being, being John, John Malkovich. Malkovich. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, so first impression, since this was my pick. Yeah. Uh, I I loved it, man. I mean, it was wonderfully acted i could talk for eight hours about nick cage's range uh to quote jake peralta the guy's got range yeah um he was awesome and of course like i had seen the gq video that he did where he talks about the movie and it always has interested me but actually finally seeing it it was it was Mm -hmm. awesome yeah um it escalates so quickly (laughs) i was not expecting it to go that way yeah um, but I mean, Chris Cooper was great. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, and also Chris is great in anything he does. Of course. Um, I love when Brian Cox shows up in anything. <laughs> uh, it was awesome. Um, I really, I really, really liked it. Um, the guy he's playing, by the way, actually doesn't hate voiceover narration, by the way. Oh really? So he's yeah. playing a real person? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> um, so when when since you've seen this, when was the first time you saw adaptation? Was the last time. Um, I don't remember if I was living in Lubbock or not. Honestly, I don't remember. It was a while ago. Like, it was a long time ago. But but since you love the movie so much, you kind of were like, "Well, I just love Kaufman." Well, so yeah. it's you know. And this one is so interesting, right? This one yeah. is, is, you know, so different. And it got very meta, too. Yeah. Because, you know, he starts writing the movie in the movie. Yeah. Like, huh, I've written myself into my own script. Yeah. Like, it's so good. Yeah. So, so Jeremy, why don't you hit people with that quick, that quick synopsis? Because this episode will probably be longer than 15 minutes. Probably. Okay. So... Uh, Nick Cage plays Charlie Kaufman and Donald, Donald Kaufman. Kaufman. Um, Charlie Kaufman is struggling to write an adaptation for a film based on the book The Orchid Thief. Which uh, is a real book. Yep. Um, was a series of um, of articles in The New Yorker mm-hmm. um, about a guy who just, you know goes and finds and collects orchid flowers or, or any sort of flower, but orchids, especially, mm-hmm. um, he's sort of an eccentric guy. And so he, you know, is fascinating to read about. Um, so the movie is just him trying to grapple with writing a screenplay about a book that really is about just a guy and flowers, right? Mm-hmm. Really no, narrative no story no arc you know there's nothing i mean it's really just about flowers right and he doesn't want to make it hollywood he doesn't want to put car chases guns sex right Uh, any of that stuff he just wants it to be what it is right which is funny because those things happen well we'll get to that yeah um he lives with his twin brother donald uh, who does not exist in real life um, and he is also trying to write a screenplay, uh, cause he's sort of a deadbeat, right? He's, yeah. uh, yeah. 
but he is finding success, right? Uh, which is so funny because uh, Donald is going going with everything that Charlie is going against, right? Mm-hmm. Like Donald doesn't mind putting in these things that Kaufman or that Charlie doesn't want to, right? Yeah. Uh, and he is finding it easier, and he's getting things done, and he's pitching and he's selling and you know people are responding positively to his screenplay it's, mm-hmm. it's very frustrating uh for charlie kaufman um we intercut with um with the the book and with the woman writing the book yeah um, susan susan played yeah. by meryl street right um and so it's his back and so Kaufman is also getting to, in a way, still adapt the Orchid Thief with these sort of, uh, with these interludes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I think more, and we'll get into it, but I think more, it was it was just more like his, just taking this section of the book and mm-hmm. playing it out exactly how it was written. Yeah. Probably. Right, right, right. right. But. And, um... <laughs> With trying to write this, with trying to uh, get to the bottom of how in the world can I adapt this, he um, he meets Susan. He starts following Susan. <laughs> Turns out Susan is having an affair uh, with LaRoche. LaRoche, right. Chris Cooper. Uh, Chris Cooper's character, which I don't think happened in real life. And, no, um, no, no. I had yeah. to look that up. And um, and then car chases, guns, and, guns and sex ensue, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the movie the movie ends. Um, it's a wild ride. I mean, I yada yada through a lot because I wanted to get oh yeah yeah to a lot of things that I wanted to you know uh, not ruin things by the synopsis. So yeah, uh, yeah. So so man, I really want to start with Charlie. Okay, because. I feel like the real Charlie Kaufman is not this neurotic and not this self-loathing. I think he is writing himself the way he sees himself, right? Okay. Um, For instance, a good example of this would be uh, Matt Groening sees himself as the comic book guy. The comic book in The Simpsons. Oh, Uh, okay. He says, that is who I think I am. So that's how he writes it, right? And that's how he creates a character. So I think in that sense where that's not true, right? Mm-hmm. Necessarily. Um, I think that Kaufman is writing himself as a super neurotic, right? Super self-loathing. Yes. Uh, um, uh, fat. Uh, pretty much, pretty much broken man. Cause I've seen what he looks like and he's not fat. No, uh, he, yeah. he wasn't fat back then either. Um, yeah, he's just a scrawny dude. Yeah. So it's so interesting to, um, to to see how he sees himself yeah. in this and attaching a fictional twin brother is really interesting um, because he represents all of the to me anyway he represents all of the bad ideas all of the the temptations to go Hollywood mm-hmm. right and uh and then finding success and happiness that way, but that's not what Charlie wants. Yeah. Right? This is what it would be like almost if I did just fucking write some bullshit that anybody wants to see or read. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. And, you know, the whole time I was watching it, the thing that got me the most is all of his 
masturbation fantasies. Yeah. That he's just that kind of broken and sad. Lonely. That that's, yeah. that's what gets him going. Yeah. <laughs> is these women like, oh, you're a genius. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, but... Really, he's just after recognition. Like, yeah. he wants to be recognized as someone who's good at what they do. Yeah. Uh, and he's getting he's getting that with being John Malkovich, you know? Yeah, uh, which I just love all the interactions with him on set. So do they recreate the being John Malkovich yeah. set? Yeah. And so they... I think... I'm not sure if the the beginning... Because they did put Nick Cage in it. But I think that might be CGI. Uh, Putting him in it like that. Yeah, because that looked like behind the scenes footage. It looked pretty legitimate. Um, yeah, John being like, hey, let's just get this over with. Right. I'm not saying that for me. I'm saying that for all these people and all this rubber. Yeah. Let's, no fuss. Let's just get through this. Yeah. Uh, which I could see John saying something like that. Sure. Well, I mean, he probably actually did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, because in the rest of it doesn't feel that way, you know. Like when no, we see, the rest of it is is recreations of the set. Of yeah, like the when we see, uh, um, fuck, John Cusack, John Cusack, yeah. and Catherine Keener, which I laughed my ass off as soon as I saw John Cusack walk into frame and see Charlie and just kind of like, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> I'm sure people in in reality knew who he was, knew he was the writer, knew whatever, right? Mm. Whether or not they still treated him that way, who knows? But yeah. I, I don't think people just didn't know who he was and didn't give a shit that he was there. I think, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, again, this is all from his own Perspe- perspective. Yeah. And he's like, people hate me. I'm in the way. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm awful. I'm fat. I'm, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so he's feeling that way all the time, poor guy. But, um, you know, he's so neurotic. I, I think that, um, fun fact, before Charlie Kaufman became Charlie Kaufman, um, he wrote for the Dana Carvey show. No shit. Yeah. yeah. Did they, did they talk about that on the, 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 that documentary? Mm-hmm. Fuck, I'm gonna have to rewatch that now. Yeah. For like two seconds. I mean, oh. it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. And we had this, they were talking about their staff writers and you know one of them was louis ck one of you know what i mean oh, that's like, right yeah. and then he goes oh and then uh, charlie was there and it was before all the oscars and stuff <laughs> you know of course dana would do that like oh yeah, yeah you know yeah yeah charlie coppin charlie coppin and then he got famous whatever yeah whatever who cares uh i love dana carvey yeah but um but i love that so okay yeah so so this is definitely how charlie sees himself but yeah. i do love that I do feel like this is how Charlie thinks when he writes. Like a lot of the times when he's sitting at his typewriter and he's like, yeah, I should get a coffee. Coffee will help me think. Right. No, no, no. I need to write and then reward myself with coffee. Yeah. Coffee and a muffin. Yeah. Banana. Because that's, I'm not going to lie. That's how I feel sometimes. Like when I, when I've got an idea just for a story, I sit there and I'm like, okay, how do I want to take this? I should get something to drink. No, 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 no. I need to I need to flush this idea out first. I think people who truly love writing are psychopaths. <laughs> because writing is hard. Yeah. Right? And it's like especially starting, right? Oh yeah. The dude. beginning process is what we're seeing here, of course, which is, you know, Charlie Kaufman has made a wonderful film about the creative process here. Mm. Right? Uh, his specific creative it, process, right. but 
in general. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, because, you know, because then, you know, contrast to Donald, and I guess good segue into Donald, you know, he seems to kind of do it effortlessly. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, I've got this idea. Let's... But again, he's not holding himself to any sort of standard. That's true. Right? Because Charlie is. And as we hear repeatedly through people, you're being too hard on yourself. Yeah. Like, you're good. Uh, even Donald's like, no, I couldn't have done this without you. Yeah, and he's, Donald's really sweet. Yeah, I <laughs> see. No, I, I do want to mention this to contrast what you said about Donald. I feel like Donald is Charlie's, his personification of his uh, confidence. I see. Um, sort of like if I was confident, mm-hmm. I could do it. Right. But I also agree with like, well, you know, this this would be me if I just said fuck it. And, right. I think that it could be a little bit of both, right? Because yeah. if I had the confidence to just do it you know, the way that it would make the most sense for a movie, mm-hmm. right? This would be easy. But, you know, in true Kaufman fashion, I think it's like, well, fuck, that's not... That's not who I am. Yeah. Right? It's not who I am, and it's not what I want this to be. Yeah. Right? I think that, you know, in our... I think... I'm thinking of anything. Mm-hmm. Right? He didn't do it like the book. And I'm glad he did. Right. I think he took a different approach to it to to change things up in a way that's more compelling, a little more ambiguous, mm-hmm. right? That you know, if you read the book, you get the answers, but if you see the movie, it's a it's a representation of those answers. Yeah. It's not the answer, right? Right, right. And right. and I like that. And I think that you know, obviously this is years down the line of his career, which is funny. Maybe building his confidence a bit. Which is funny because Donald's script the 3. The 3. I was like, that almost sounds like I'm thinking of anything. Well, what it is, is it ends up being this movie that I have seen before, by the way. Really? Uh, it's called Three. Hold on. With Sandra Bullock? No. Oh. I forgot who's in it. No, that's Nine or something. I don't know. Anyway, continue. Um, it's a movie called Three, or one of the E's is a three, by the way. Um, a la Seven. And... Okay. And it's very much like what he's talking about, uh-huh. right, in the movie. And it's a, um, you can find it at Mardell's, by the way, because it is a Christian book. <laughs> Wait, what? Hold on. And it, it bears a striking resemblance to what Donald is pitching. Did uh, you tell me you looked into seeing when this was made? Oh, it was well after this. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was it was maybe. I hope, I hope Kaufman got some sort of kickback for that. I doubt it. Hold on, I'll look it up while you're talking. Uh, but anyway, so uh, I mean, I knew the script for the three wasn't. I'm thinking of anything because as we discussed in our, I'm thinking of anything's episode. Shout out to that episode, by the way. Um, uh, Ian Reed wrote the book in 2017. Right? I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, but. You know, I, so I knew it wasn't, but it just it felt very much like, oh hey, I'm thinking of anything. things. Um, but I do love the relationship between Charlie and Donald, um, because even though they're twins, Charlie feels like the older brother. Like when Donald's pitching him the idea for the three, and he's like, you know. Like, how fucked up is that? Like, they're all the same person. And he was like, okay, well, how would you do that, though? Yeah. Like, yeah. seriously. Like, he was like, writing it's one thing, but how would you do that? 
like if the the prisoner the killer and the cop are all the same person how would we see someone in a basement but then see them at a police station like and i and and i've had sort of those this i mean not specifically those kinds of conversations with my brother but like conversations like that with with my brother like well how that doesn't make any sense why would you do that mm-hmm. you know so even though they're twins it feels very older brother younger brother kind of it does because it, it's it's responsible versus irresponsible right yeah um, so I looked up three. Okay. And and the uh, <laughs> in the trivia for IMDb, uh-huh. um, the only spoiler trivia is the plot resembles the three, a fictional screenplay written by the character Donald Kaufman in the movie adaptation. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> um, yeah. So it came out four years after adaptation came out. Oh shit! Uh, so it's. Uh, let, me, let me see the poster. Yeah. That sounds really familiar. Yeah, I've seen it. Huh? I've seen it. I don't know. I remember thinking it was kind of cool, but I was very young, so I mean, it's you know. Oh well, whatever. Um, but you know, and and, but anyway, so I, I just I really like that relationship, you know, and 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 Charlie tries to be supportive, you know, like when he takes him to set with him at being John Malkovich, and he's like, you know, don't. He's like don't hit on people like don't do that like don't she works here don't hit on them or like when he flies donald out to new york and donald's like i'll go talk to her for you if you can't do it i'll do it and he's like all right well you know no flirting don't be an asshole and he's like, well I'm, i would never be and he's like you know what i mean like don't don't do this don't do that right like i have a reputation to maintain which is kind of funny because being john malkovich was his first screenplay right I think so. Yeah, so it's like, how do you have a reputation if your if your name is just now getting out there? But anyway, but I mean, I but I get it at the same time. You know, like people are already recognizing his name, and so it's like, don't fuck this up. Yeah. But um, and and Nick, Nick does such a great job, and and I love what he said in his GQ about it, where if he woke up one day feeling really happy then he would tell spike like okay let's shoot all of donald's stuff first then if he woke up and he felt really depressed and kind of mad then he would say okay let's shoot charlie's stuff gotcha yeah which i thought was really cool that's smart. you know um again i'm pretty sure i've said it before I, I don't think people give nick cage a lot of credit you know i think they look a lot at his filmography and they're like oh well he doesn't know when to say no which is true he doesn't when to, he doesn't know when to say no but yeah. The man also needed money, so... He's also aware of it. Yeah, he's also aware that he needed money, so it was like, oh, this movie called Drive Angry? Sure, I'll do it. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Oh, uh, a Ghost Rider sequel? Sure. Um, But he just... He did such a great job, and like... And I genuinely love Nick Cage. Yeah, of course. Like, I don't care what anyone says about him. I think he's a phenomenal actor. Uh, And, and, you know, and we've seen this before of an actor playing a dual role. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Army Hammer in the Social Network. Oh wow, that's your first go-to, huh? Cool. Um, <laughs> Seth Rogen and American Pickle. There you go. And, uh, yeah. Well, because I genuinely thought Army Hammer had a twin. Oh, did you? Oh, because Fincher did it so well. I know. Um, it's really good. it wasn't until the behind the scenes was like, oh, that was one dude. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but so I mean, we've seen it before, but I mean. It was so. It was just so well done, and yeah. it's very seamless. Especially 
when they're in a scene together. It's yeah. very, you know, I, I felt like it was very seamless, but, um, and I, and I just love how, how Nick did it. Um, but he also said in that GQ, when people come up to him and tell him that they loved him as Donald, he gets jealous because he says he doesn't remember playing Donald. Yeah. He was so in Charlie's headspace uh-huh. that he doesn't remember. I did read that, um, that instead of Nick allowing himself to, to come up with things himself or try to, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, work through the character the way he wanted, mm-hmm. uh, he would just go up to and let Spike Jones tell him. Yeah. He also said that he, he, he wanted to see how and it got him an Oscar nomination. I thought he has an Oscar. Doesn't he have one? Yeah, he does. I think he has one for leaving Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Of course he does. Or maybe it's Moonstruck. Shit. Ooh. Fuck. I don't remember. I don't know. Um, but he also said that he would go up to Charlie and be like, all right, now show me how would you react if you were mad or sad. And that way he could kind of, you know. Um, and he just killed it. Because I feel like he had more freedom with Donald since Donald's not a real person. Yeah, Donald's not a real person, and also he's more of a happy-go-lucky sort of guy. Yeah, so yeah. I, so I think I think that's why he said he doesn't remember playing Donald because it was more. Donald's also sort of blissfully dim. Yeah, yeah. Which I think it also may lead me to believe that Kaufman wishes he was a little bit dumber, right? I mean, he, maybe yeah. he thinks the burden of intelligence is making him crazy. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, Donald does hook up with Maggie Gyllenhaal. That's true. That's true. So, I mean... Yeah. And hanging out with Catherine Keener like it's... <laughs> like it's nothing. Like a thing to do. Yeah. But I just... I re- and I really love how the movie shows that, especially when the movie amps up, which we'll... I want to save the amp up yeah. for a little bit. Because that matters too, and that also has a lot to do with Donnie. Yeah. Um, now, I want to talk about... Let's talk... Move on to the book itself, sure. The Orchid Thief. Um, I love that we got these intercuts of, like I said during the synopsis of it feels like they just adapted what was in the book not trying to add anything you know trying to really show this is what susan was up writing. until a certain point right 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 when the movie ramps up yeah. and that's yeah um and i and i love that it felt very sort of documentary style to me even though it was these actors playing these real people yeah it felt very documentary to me you know seeing susan meet up with laroche and how Floridian he is. Uh, no offense out there to our Florida audience, if anyone's listening. Huge offense. <laughs> you guys are weird. Uh, and man, and Chris Cooper just nails it. Uh, yeah, Chris is great in everything. It's hard. To, it's hard. I will say though, it's hard for me to see him not as old because I've all the movies I've seen him in, he's just old as hell. <laughs> and this he's not that old. <laughs> I know he's not that old. He's probably as old as my dad. That's so fucking. But funny. this movie, he looked not that old, and I'm like, yeah, it's hard to believe that that's Chris Cooper. Yeah. Um, and uh, it just, I, I really liked kind of these breaks in the story to see yeah. to see what Charlie's been having such a hard time adapting. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and. Uh, yeah, I really don't know what else to say about it. I, I just I thought it was really cool how how they did this. Yeah, I I do have a little uh, little fun thing about um, in the dinner scene 
where Susan is talking to all of her intellectual mm-hmm. New Yorker friends who are really annoying. Oh, yeah. I, and, I hated them. Uh, well, uh, did you recognize one of them? Any I them? tried to. Yeah. Uh, one of them is David O. Russell. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I saw him and I go, I think that guy looks really familiar. And I was like, I think that's David O. Russell. So I looked it up and sure enough, he's, he's an actor. Shout out to American Hustle. Sure. Shout out to David O. Russell calling Lily Tomlin a cunt and uh, I Heart Huckabees. Uh, go ahead and YouTube it. Uh, you know what? Stop what you're doing and listening to us. And YouTube uh, David O. Russell yelling at Lily Tomlin, and it's amazing. Um, what he, was she doing? Didn't you nothing. Show this? He's, she's doing nothing. She's just being an actress and doing her job the best she can. And he's losing his mind on her. And so, definitely his fault. Definitely uh, he's the one who's uh, in the wrong. Oh, well, I mean, okay. If she, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, and plus Lily Tomlin is great. She's a legend. Let Lily Tomlin do whatever she wants. Uh, I do want to see Amsterdam, though. Amsterdam looks great. Yeah, I think I might see Amsterdam. Really, honestly, David... Oh, sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> David O. Russell is sort of really hit or miss for me. Mostly miss. Um, I didn't like American Hustle very I, much. I, I, um, I like Silver Linings Playbook okay. Oh, that's right. I forgot he did that, too. Um, I've never seen Three Kings. My uh, favorite part of Silver Linings Playbook is the whole Ernest Hemingway part where he fucking uh, throws it out the window uh, yeah uh, a farewell to arms he throws it out the window yeah anyway okay uh yeah i didn't recognize that, that was david russell yeah, i david actually russell. don't know what he looks like oh so. okay well then there you go <laughs> but yeah no but i was sitting there i'm like like some of these people look so familiar yeah um but well, i recognized him i'm sure they all were someone but but you know uh now i'm assuming they did this scene to show susan isn't really like them so, per yeah se. or susan is not only is she not really like them, but she has a she has an empathy they don't, right? Mm-hmm. She is, and it, it also sort of is paying off the craziness at the end where she is. Uh, oh yeah, right. Like she's starting to fall for him in a sense, right? Like this is the very early stages of that, but uh, which again didn't happen in real life. Um, yeah, yeah, I had to look that up. Yeah. Uh, I heard that she she at for a moment was very against it when she got to that part of the script and she was like no like you, you can't do this this will ruin my career but also i think she can see why right eventually you once you see the whole thing and you start to understand what kaufman is doing mm-hmm. right it's sort of like oh, okay well this makes sense to take- it makes sense because of what he's saying about the creative process and about the adapting process yeah and what hollywood's influence can be Right, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think, um, much like Woody Allen, I have been sort of conditioned not to like Meryl Streep. My dad is not a fan. What? And there are things that there are movies of hers that I really do like. Right. I'm not against Meryl Streep at all. I'm dad is, but I'm not. And so, the, like, like this movie's on my wish list. I've heard it's really good. The uh, the French Lieutenant's Woman or something like that. Have uh, you seen that? No. No, I'm not. Um, I think I think Meryl Streep is a fine actress. I think she's great. I I don't think she's as good as people say she is, and that's a hot take. But that's just Oof. that's my personal opinion. Have you not seen the Devil Wears Prada? <laughs> I have, and I like that movie. I I've seen it. I don't remember it at all. What? It's yeah. great. Because um, I don't care about fashion. You don't? No. Yeah, I can tell. Um, <laughs> slam! Uh, that was really funny. Anyway, thank it's you for taking. I'm not Malibu, Jeremy. Yeah, you're not Malibu Rain today. I think that's part of the thing. Um, I, yes, I think Meryl Streep is great in this. I think that she's 
She's not doing anything crazy. She's not, right? She's not doing a character necessarily. She's no, just being it, Susan. It does, it does really feel like, yeah, she's playing. She does how very authentic, Susan very is. genuine, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's playing a journalist doing her job. Right. I have no idea. What, I didn't look up what Susan looks like. I didn't look up who no, she is no. or an interview, which I should have done. The only thing I looked up is how she felt about the script when mm-hmm. she originally read it. And this was like a 2012 interview where she mm-hmm. was like, she was like, yeah, I was kind of against it. But then I understood why the story went. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. She was cool with it. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I think her and Chris Cooper dynamite together. Oh, absolutely. Uh, right. Again, um, Chris is great. I know. I think Chris Cooper is so underrated. I, I oh, think absolutely, man. That guys, you got to see a few of his films if you haven't already. You have to see American Beauty. You have to see October Sky. Oh, dude! Don't <laughs> even talk to me about October Sky, man. <laughs> we will start crying. Uh, <laughs> I know, little baby Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, baby Jake. With he, that, with that southern accent. So Chris Cooper plays Jake Gyllenhaal's dad in. October Sky. Uh-huh. He plays his father-in-law in Demolition, which is another great film, oh, by shit. the way. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Chris is great. Um, they, look, listen, this is another hot take, okay? And then we'll get back to the movie. Sure. Um, say what you will about the Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man, two movies. Yeah. They were setting Chris up to be like an insane villain. Because uh, he's very underutilized in the I second one. I don't remember him. He's he's in barely in the second all. one because okay. he immediately dies. But apparently it was because they were going to set him up as a really big bad. Is he Osborn? No. Mm-hmm. Is he? Yeah. I don't remember that at all. Hey, he's Norman. <laughs> Shit. Uh, and from what I understand, for the third movie, they were going to set him up to be a really like big bad. And I would have loved to see that, but I mean, it's too late now. Um, no, it's not. I can probably still do it. <laughs> no, it is too. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they've been talks that Andrew should get a third Spider-Man movie, but I don't know if he wants to do a third movie. Who knows? But anyway, uh, yeah. So Chris and Meryl are great together. Uh, yeah. I think they have great chemistry. I love how we're not portraying LaRoche as your typical Florida dirtbag. Yeah. He looks like one. Yeah. But when the, he starts talking to Jim Beaver about the oh yeah. law. Shout out to Bobby Singer. Yeah. Shout out to Bobby Singer. Both. Dude, when I saw him, I was like, I know that guy. And then, yeah. And then when he turns his head and looks back at the camera, I'm like, oh my God, it's fucking Bobby. Uh, shout out to Bobby Singer, both in Supernatural and in The Boys. Uh, he yeah. plays Bobby Singer. Um, oh, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I'm oh, sorry, yeah, it's Robert Singer, Senator and, Robert Singer. Oh and, no, he's yeah, he's Senator. and everyone's like, come on, what let's call him Bobby. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So um, when he's telling him like, um, and you know, at first you're like, dude, he's caught, man. Like he's oh yeah, he's in big trouble. And then he's so calm and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll tell you exactly what's in it. But let me introduce you to my friends first. Uh, and then he starts breaking down the law and how like if they take it, it's fine, mm-hmm. right? Because they're indigenous. Mm-hmm. And all, and then uh, quoting, um, you the know, Supreme Court rules. Yeah, Supreme Court, right? Exactly. Like that. I, I was like, oh, okay. Well, like he's, he's he's pretty smart. Yes, he's a little narcissistic, but yes, he is very smart. And um, you know, he's the smartest person he knows, right? Yeah. Um, I do. I do really like that. That we're showing his intelligence. We're not just showing that he's this guy with no, you know, front no, teeth. Three missing three front teeth. Yeah. Uh. That was a bummer when we found out what happened to his teeth. I know, man. Yeah. I was not expecting that. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm sure he got him, like, knocked out. I mean, he did get him knocked out, but I was thinking, like, maybe a bar fight or something. No. Nope. Yeah. 
Or just poor dental hygiene. Yeah. Killed his mom and his uncle and uh, put his wife in a coma. For a while. When she woke up, she was like, we're done. Deuces. Deuces. We're, we're, I'm out of 5,000. Like, ooh, you're going to get those fixed? No. No. Deuces. See you later. We're done. <laughs> you know, and I think he, you know, which is a great character development, he doesn't fix them because... Because mm-hmm. as Susan's New York friends say, like, well, it sounds like he can get them fixed. Why doesn't he? It's because I think he... It's a reminder. It's sort of like punishment. Yeah. Right? Um, we've seen this in films that we've talked about recently where people, um, you know, do things or keep things or don't fix things on purpose for mm. punishment. Right? right. Um, And this is one of those where yeah. it's a good look. I didn't look anything up about... Neither, neither did I. I looked um, a little bit up about the book. Um, sorry guys work has been insane and i didn't get enough time to do any sort of research like uh, i normally do it's all um i'm just going off you know the movie the way i see it um it's all gucci um here keep talking for a second i gotta click i will so um so laroche laroche is so interesting that you know it's no wonder someone wouldn't make a you know, someone to write an article about him but yeah um also it's just so interesting that he risks all of this trouble and he he is a part of this legacy of orchid thieves that Mm -hmm. you know which sounds very interesting which i would watch a whole movie about that which is why i i think it fascinating that she only mentions it in passing in this article you know yeah uh, so and so who you know was never seen again so and so got you know yeah, killed and, and yeah so and so got murdered yeah so this the, guy who managed to get it yeah got murdered as soon as he completed his task yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean that that would have been that would have been cool to make a whole movie it would have been fa- it would have been fascinating to go more into that and then maybe the last third of it be laroche right yeah um because i wouldn't think that orchids were that big of a deal yeah. And people risking their lives for it makes it seem like a bigger deal, but you know, they don't really go into that, which I think is why Kaufman had such a hard time. Yeah, I was just about to say that's why he was struggling you know? so hard. Because it's like fuck. Like <laughs> you know, and this I, is literally just about flowers. And I and I love how when we cut back to Kaufman and he's trying to write and he's got his tape recorder bouncing his ideas off of him off of himself, you know, he's frantically like trying to find something like, okay, we we open with this, and uh, no, we're, we'll open with this, and then yeah. And what I love is he's describing how the movie itself opens. Yes, which I love that. Uh, yeah. Um, but the other thing that I really like the most, and I did want to talk about before we get into the ramp up, sure, is kind of going back to Charlie, his relationship with everyone else. Mm-hmm. So, like with his agent, for example. Uh, shout out to our office space episode, Ron <laughs> Livingston. Uh, when I saw his name on the cast, I was like, I was like Ron, Ron Livingston. Is it Ron Livingston? Yeah. I love Ron. Very underrated. I think uh, this film is really good at um, at getting you excited about a person and then not being in it very long. Because <laughs> it's like... Yeah, he's in it for like two scenes. Yeah. And then it's like Tilda Swinton. Oh, how fun. And then Oh, she's gone. That's fine. Oh, she's gone. Oh, you know, um, <laughs> she yeah. like that. Yeah, and I forgot. Yeah, I saw that Tilda was in it. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, she's gone now. Okay, great. Oh, okay, that's fine. She's is she like a producer or something? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, uh, for yeah. Sony, I guess. Yeah, cause she yeah cause she hires Charlie to write the script, 
and then checks in with him like all right how's the script coming like this are, was sony right i don't remember what uh what, was what it, production it was, was columbia oh columbia. i don't i don't know if sony had bought them yet oh right by this point it's a good point but um but anyway uh uh i, I just love like this interaction that he always has with people like because he's he's always so neurotic like when he's talking to ron his agent and you know ron is being very just kind of like flippant kind of well like, he's, he's vulgar he's a bro for sure before oh, yeah. that was a, a yeah, he's, normal term he's a well actually to use the gen z terms he's a he would be a chad yeah <laughs> <laughs> but, you know like you know Holy shit you know his client is sitting here like in duress and he's like hey you see that girl there yeah i fucked her like and he's like cool cool man can you help me here no, i'm just kidding he's like, no, i'm just kidding <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. And he's like, no, nah, I'm just kidding. I'd like to, though. Um, and, and you know, Charlie, you know, Charlie in his most desperate is like, you got to get me out of this. He's just getting no support. Yeah. Which is, which is very funny. Especially when, and I love when we see Ron again, you know, when Charlie's in New York. And he's like, hey, by the way, you know, the three, it's awesome. Uh, yeah. Like, he's like, I'm going to sell the shit out of this thing, man. <laughs> And and it's like yeah we'll help your help your client yeah like he's it's really is it is it to say I know you're struggling but your your brother's brother script is awesome your brother's doing fucking great um, and then you know with with Valerie Tilda Swinton's character you know she I guess the the point is she's trying to be a producer and like hey well maybe you should try this and mm-hmm. that's where we get his whole like well I don't want this to be very Hollywood right you know I want this to focus on the flowers and focus on you know right. I want it to be like the book, right? The book focuses on the flowers, focuses on LaRoche, but mostly on just the the magnet, or I guess I'll say magnetic, because that was kind of what I just said. Uh, the <laughs> magnetic quality of what draws people to the orchids, right? And mm-hmm. what draws people to risk everything, everything for them, right? Which yeah. is so odd to me still, but um, it's because I don't give a shit about flowers, I guess. But... Mm. Um, Right. Yeah. But I think what really culminates into what gears up sort of the end is um, Charlie in his last stitch desperation goes to that fucking seminar. Yeah. Uh, The seminar that that Donald has been really pushing him to go. He's been really keen on it. Oh, my God. Shut up. Nailed it. His name is Mick Keen, though, isn't it? Doesn't matter. Um, Um. well, and I love that, like, Donald is so, like, into it that Charlie's like, it sounds like you're in a cult. Stop that. I do love that Charlie, and I do think he really does feel this way, really hates the Hollywood system. Mm. Because, you know, anytime Donald says, hey, I'm going to pitch my... Don't my, say pitch. Don't say pitch. Don't say right? pitch. He hates buzzwords like that. He hates just the, like, I think... My thing would be networking. I don't like that word. It's disgusting, right? Yeah, like, uh, like you got a network. Ugh, that's disgusting to me. Uh, so I think like that's how he feels about all of it. Yeah, right. He goes, ugh, I don't don't say that. That's that's yucky. I don't like that. Yeah, that's right. gross. Don't. Yeah, don't but, become one of these people. I have to answer to. Yeah, I think is what really it's it is. Yeah, but Charlie in his desperation finally is like, you know what? Fine, I'll go. I'll see if this can help me. He out. becomes Cameron. He goes, I'll go, I'll, I'll go, go, I'll go, I'll go. Shit. <laughs> Shout out to Ferris Bueller. 
uh, dude, we for sure on its anniversary, we 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 have to do an episode. Sure. On that. Um, even if it's like a bonus episode or something. But uh, okay, so yeah, so he goes and he meets Bob McKean. Uh, shout out to Brian Cox, um, which I really feel like they just told Brian to like come hey, Brian. in. Just be Brian. Because he says fuck so many times. Yeah. He's great. Um, but but Bob finally kind of like tells him like, okay, you just need to just find the ending. If you can find the ending, then you've got it. And the only thing that Charlie can think of is he needs to meet Susan. And then this is where we were talking about where he sends Donald in his place because he's too scared. But Donald feels like Susan's not telling us everything. Which is so interesting. So I think that, you know, it's, you could read this in several ways. One, I don't think this actually happened, obviously, because yeah. he can't send someone else in this place. But I think that if this did, if he did go meet Susan, I don't know if that actually happened, but he's almost like, I need to be confident. Mm-hmm. I need to not be myself. Right. right. So I'm going to go meet her, you know, not as this neurotic, you know, fat, balding Charlie Kaufman, which, by the way, he's not fat or balding, but, uh, yeah. uh, you know, he's, again, how he sees himself is just so insane, right? Yeah. Um, I think that might be what this is, right? Mm-hmm. You could read this whole thing as, which would make sense of Donnie's screenplay, that, you know, obviously Donnie is just a manifestation of just another version of Charlie, right? Yeah. I, I think you could read it as... You know, like what we were saying at the beginning, that he is the confident, naive, uh, dim-witted, right, sort of happier version of himself. Yeah. Right? Because he is where he looks exactly like him, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't seem to to bother him or it be a hindrance in any sort of way. Yeah. Right? Like what Charlie thinks, right? Charlie thinks like, I'm fat, I'm balding. I'm ugly, I'm sweaty, and blah, 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 blah. That doesn't have anything to do with Donnie getting chicks, right? No, yeah, or, no. Or yeah, being he... confident, or, or writing a screenplay, or anything like that. So it's, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he he's like, Susan's lying to us about something. We need to follow her. Um, and this is where the movie starts to ramp up a little bit. So this is exactly the point also where, and this is why this is important, where Charlie asks Donnie to help him with the screenplay, mm-hmm. right? And so when that happens, we get drugs, we get sex, we get car chases, we get guns. Oh my God, get, Jesus Christ. Right? Yeah. Because at this point we find out that they're grinding up the orchids for drugs. I don't think you can actually do that either. So um, it I doesn't mean, seem like you can. I think we would have heard that by now. I don't. Yeah, I, I feel like nowhere have I heard that I've, orchids can be narcotic. I've I've bought Haley an orchid before, so you know what I mean. Well, way to go, dude. I know, I know. She's probably at home right now. I know. This was a year ago, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Holy shit! I I I'm gonna be real. I didn't make that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like I got it. I was like, oh, the script is becoming what he didn't want. The but, movie's becoming what he didn't want. But it is when he decided to have Donnie help him out. Yeah. And this is when all this shit happens in the, in the movie, which of course did not happen in real life. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is where the movie becomes really fictionalized. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they track down Susan, um, and she's been having an active affair with LaRoche. Um, they've been doing the drugs, uh, <laughs> 
That just sounded so old there. You sound like a narc, yeah. yeah. Hey, fellow teens. Leaning on my van that says DEA. <laughs> like, you want to do some underage drinking? It's my favorite Pete Holmes joke. <laughs> I don't go to a lot of music concerts. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but but Charlie decides, and what I find so interesting is Charlie decides to be the one to do the sneaking. Because Donald's like, I'll, I'll be right back. Don't move. But Charlie's like, no, it has to be me. Yeah. Um, but he gets caught. Of course. And Susan, in her drugged out mind, decides the only way out of this is they have to kill Charlie. Yeah, of course. Uh, so they drive out to the natural, the nature preserve. And at the last second, Donald saves his life. Um, and then we get this really great scene with them mm-hmm. of Charlie saying, like, you've, you've been so, what was the word he used? I don't remember. But almost naive. But he's like, I don't mean that offensively. I mean that as a compliment. And he tells him about how when they were in high school together, how this girl that Donald had a crush on, you know, after Donald was so confident with her and walked away, they made fun of him. And he's like, well, I don't care. He's like, no one can take that away from me. I loved her. And no one can, like, I'm allowed to love who I want to love. And no one can take that away from me. And it's, it's such a great scene yeah you know it's almost like charlie is saying that he can he can make these two parts of himself exist yeah yeah yeah. um it doesn't have to be one or the other yeah yeah um they survive the night yeah managed to get away i mean donald does get shot in the arm but they managed to get away but not paying attention uh and this is why you wear your seatbelt this is why you wear your seatbelt and a poor Donald is thrown through the windshield after they hit the uh, the uh, ranger's truck and unfortunately dies. Here's what I love about that. Here's what I love about this scene. Is that the way Spike Jones shoots it, mm-hmm. there's no slow-mo, there's no music. It's they hit, he flies out the window, and he's dead. It's so fast. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, yeah. Well, he's not quite dead yet but he's uh, dying yeah. yeah i i love how fast it is yeah yeah it's not yeah it's not there's uh, no dramatic effect anywhere yeah it's very it's very matter of fact and, and very real life you know yeah, yeah, which yeah. is kind of going back to the meta-ness yeah you know charlie wants this to be very real and you know in real life you know if you're trying to escape this dangerous situation you're not gonna want the radio on you're gonna want to you're not gonna you're gonna be looking everywhere and right. If you hit something and someone goes through the windshield, it's not going to be... Could you imagine, like, getting in? It's like, dude, we got to go. It's like, cool, man. Just give me one second. Pass me the ox cord real quick. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I got to okay. get some shit. Like, they are literally about to like, kill Like, yo, us. man, like, yeah, but I have a playlist for this. So, like, give me one second. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, like hang on, hang on. I got to play. I got to play. I've got, my, I've got my chase playlist right That's now. That's how I am if I go anywhere in my car no matter how close it is i go hiding music let me find my music oh yeah i i do that to ashley all the time like if we go to market street which is literally two minutes away yeah i'm like like let's listen to jams and she's like we're almost there yes i don't care like let's put on some jams literally being in the car in the parking lot you're almost there (laughs) yeah yeah um anyway but yeah so donald dies um and laroche gets eaten by an alligator well Not necessarily eaten, but he gets good chunk taken out of his abdomen. Yeah, yeah, he's killed by an alligator. And Susan 
I guess we assume then Susan gets arrested. Yeah. Um, but I find it so interesting what she tells Charlie. I want to be new. I want to go back to before this all got fucked up. And I just find that I just found that so interesting, mm-hmm. especially the whole I want to be new. Yeah. Um, and Charlie, it's almost like Charlie can kind of understand what she's saying, you know, a little bit. But then we have the next heartbreaking moment of him having to call their mother. Right. And, uh, you know, and he, of course, we don't hear what he tells her. He just breaks down and she's like, what's wrong, honey? Like, what's wrong? Yeah. And it, it's rough. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's that, so rough. Yeah, it's sad. Especially because throughout the movie, we've kind of been told to love Donald. Yeah. Um, and we do love Donald. Um, but then the movie ends on this sort of hopeful note. And again, being very meta, Charlie is writing the script in his head with voiceover mm-hmm. as what he's doing. Right. You know, uh, which I love. Yeah. Like, oh, McKean will be upset with that. But you know what? Voiceover works. Um, and that was the movie. And that's adaptation. Yeah, it it's genius what Kaufman has done because he is making a film about how hard it is to make to make something right, yeah. and and instead of giving up on adapting the Orchid Thief, he goes, "Let me just make a movie about me adapting the Orchid Thief," right, mm-hmm. and. And then at the end, I'll throw in all that bullshit that Hollywood loves and all that stuff. And, you know, and yeah, it's so bizarre. It almost kind of reminded me a little bit, especially when in the movie, Charlie, as I mentioned earlier, Charlie goes, I've written myself in my own script. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, it felt very early synecdoche. Yeah. You know, as it becomes a play within a play. Within right. A play, right, within, right. You know, and it's. And I loved that, man. That was so... It's brilliant. And this actually wasn't what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that original poster, which hopefully Future Rain has used, the poster of the pot. Right. Um, I remember seeing that poster and thinking that that movie was probably going to be very serious, mm-hmm. very... Not... I, 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 like, I remember seeing it and thinking, like, oh, I, I don't think I'd ever like that movie. Yeah. Now I love that movie. Yeah. Uh, and it, I mean, it has its serious moments, but I would say it's more—it's just more of a meta commentary on this yeah. one writer struggle. And just the way you know, and I think that it got so much praise and attention because out of his other films, this is pretty digestible to yeah, most people. I think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, going back to you know, Synecdoche, you know, it, that movie gets kind of confusing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say at times. A majority of the time. Yeah, it's mad confusing, right? Um, For sure. You know, uh, I'm thinking of anything. I think that one is also sort of like, wait, like, wait, what? Like, what's going on? Wait, his hair was just gray. Now it's brown. Like, I don't understand. You know what I mean? Like, shit like that. You know what I mean? That why is why is the mom dressed as a 1950s housewife now? And being John Malkovich is sort of you know like really bizarre, and you know it's it's not as bizarre as some of his later stuff or, mm-hmm. you know, especially synecdoche. I think that's going to be the, the, the weirdest. Yeah. Would you say that is, that is to Charlie Kaufman as a racer head is to the Lynch? Probably. Yeah, <laughs> I would say that. Um, and of course, I don't know if you've seen it, um, but eternal sunshine. I haven't, I want okay. to, especially with the scene I've heard so much about 
when Jim Carrey's going through his collapsing mind and they do that one take where Jim has to recreate a memory mm-hmm. and then be back in like the like remembering the scene, you know, mm-hmm. remembering the memory. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, I've heard that's like it's super pretty trippy, and very bizarre, yeah. right? Which is like another Kaufman. Um, so definitely future episode. Oh, for sure, for sure. We got to uh, get through all of them yeah. eventually. You know. So, but Jeremy, are you ready to wrap up, wrap up, wrap up? I am. I think Kaufman's a genius. I've said it a million times. Um, Kaufman just finds a way to make these stories and to tell tell stories in such a unique perspective. And I love what he's trying to say, right? He's trying to tell people like how, like what being creative means to him, right? Mm-hmm. What this process is to him, how precious it is to him, right? Because mm-hmm. he's not just going to fucking, you know, just fine. I'll put in, you know, a car chase, which yeah. of course, ironically is what happens in this movie, but uh, on purpose, right? Yeah. Um, it's more like I'll do it on my terms. Right. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, man, I agree. You know, I uh, we haven't, you know, even though Synecdoche was was very strange, I did enjoy it. Yeah, you know, I loved. It's Anom- definitely my favorite. I loved Anomalisa. I I loved thinking of many things. I'm still yeah. trying to get Ashley to watch it because I because I know she'll enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, because the surrealism is dialed up to an eleven. I know it, and it it, it works. Um, and so this is no different. You know, I got being John Malkovich um, for your recommendation. Of course, I just didn't follow through. That's okay. But I'll watch it. I just it. wanted to, you know, because of their, because they're there. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, I think you might have more fun if you'd seen it. But Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, man. Um, so Jeremy, what are we going to talk about next week? That's a good question. Okay. Oh, you want me to answer it? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <sighs> okay. Okay. Uh, next week we are going to be uh, we are going to be discussing Akira Kurosawa's Ikiru. Oh. Uh, next week. So. All right, man. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm yeah. excited to watch another Kurosawa movie. Yeah, of course. Um, and we have one more in yours, right? We yes. got uh, high and low on yes. yours. Hell yeah. All right, cool. Uh, which, of course, then, you know, I've also got two other of his films I need to watch. Hidden Fortress and Throne of Blood. Oh, okay. um, oh man. I'm so excited. Yeah, Ikiru, yeah. I'm really I, and I've heard it, the, 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 the plot is very basic, but how, how Kurosawa does it is so, I mean, it's yep. a Kurosawa film. Of course. You know, I've heard it's literally just a story of a guy building a playground yeah and that's it yeah um but you know i mean as we've talked about with rushamon and now seven samurai uh kurosawa just has an eye for for things yeah and i'm so excited yeah I, i've been ready I've, I've been i've been ready to watch this one. yeah 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 me too i'm excited bro me too well we hope everyone enjoyed adaptation and we'll see you next week. And you say you belong to me. Lose my mind. Imagine how the world could be. So very fine. So happy together.